Thank you for joining us for the lessons from First Naz Podcast. Good morning. Welcome to church. Good morning. Good morning. Good to be here with you this morning. Isn't it great to be led by our youth uh, in worship? Thank you for, for working hard. They were here last night practicing and early this morning, and I appreciate their, their willingness to lead us. Uh, this morning, we, uh, we're missing a few of our ladies. Uh, my wife, Alyssa, and Pastor Ryan's wife, Tunisia, and Pastor Becca are all away this weekend at a retreat for, uh, our district has put on a retreat for ladies involved in ministry, pastors, wives, and women who, uh, pastors, and so they are away at that this weekend, and so uh, I'm trying to figure out which way is up. Uh, it's, uh, it's hard for me when Alyssa's not here on a Sunday morning to, to be on task. And uh, so I'm trying to stay on task. I will do my best to stay on task. But I did bring our mail this morning because I always find it the most inspiring way possible uh, to start a worship service by reading the church's mail to you. So uh, this is just a thank you card that we received from the Tilford family from Arlington, Oregon. We, many of you purchased Christmas presents for the Tilford family. And so they sent a thank you. I, we don't have like a, a church spot for putting mail. And so it's in my Bible. Here it is. Uh, the kids made beautiful pictures. And so celebrate with us. Uh, the Tilford family says thank you. And we, we didn't do it for the thank you. We just wanted to bless a family in ministry. And so thank you as a church, uh, as your pastor, let me just say thank you for, for doing just that. Uh, as a reminder, every Thursday morning at 6 a.m., I pray with whoever will join me via Zoom, and so I'll be looking for that link this week, and I look forward to, to praying with whoever, whoever shows up on Thursday morning. During this season, we are talking about the reality that we are not static. You are not the same person you were a month ago or even a week ago. You are changing, and you're going to be a different person tomorrow and next week than you are right now. You are, you are dynamic. You are changing. You are not the same person now that you were a while ago. And so this winter, we're looking at, at a variety of ways that we are being formed. As Christians, our goal is to be formed by Jesus, right? We want the Spirit of Jesus to be at work in us to make us more like Jesus. And the church word we use for that is spiritual formation. We, we are talking this, this season about spiritual formation. We want to be people who are being formed to be more like Jesus. And on Sunday mornings, though, I've been looking at the reality that if we aren't careful— there are certain things in life, things that we do sometimes on purpose, sometimes things we do inadvertently that will take us on a path away from being like Jesus. They will take us on a path of spiritual deformation. And, and often that, that creep away from being like, less like Jesus, being, uh, from being like Jesus, that, that slow, slow process is almost, almost uh, something we don't sense, something we don't recognize, something we don't realize is happening in us, and, and it, it shapes us in ways that we never anticipated being shaped. 
And so far during this series, I've looked at, at the practice of boxy faith or, or keeping faith in certain areas of our lives and out of certain areas of our lives. God calls us to, to allow our faith to shape all of our relationships, all of our activity, all of the wanderings of our heart. And sometimes we, we allow our faith only to go so far. And I, I talked about the tendency we have to keep the faith box away from, from everything else that's happening in life. Two weeks ago, I talked about how things that happen around us and outside of us can often have a greater impact on, on our hearts and, and shaping us than we realize they are having. I looked at the tendency we have to, to allow outside influences to, to tell us how we feel, to tell us who we are, to tell us uh, um, what we are. And I used the imagery last uh, two weeks ago of storms, but the reality is that God has created us to mirror what is around us. God has created us to, to mirror the, the emotions and, and feelings of other people we see. So some, when someone smiles at us, we smile back. It's just, a, it's a reflex. It's natural. When someone gives us the international sign for, I am angry with you, we get angry. We, we are just built to reflect the emotions that, that we see around us. God has, has called us or created us in, in that way. And mirroring what happens outside of us can be incredibly deforming in, in our spiritual life. It can, it can have a very negative effect on how, how we, we feel about uh, life and who we become as people who want to become more like Jesus, especially as we live in a world where we are saturated in media that wants us to focus on the things that will make us fearful and worried and scared, that will we'll turn our attention at, at every opportunity to things that, that will stir outrage in us and make us angry. And, and so I called that, what, what I did a couple of weeks ago, I called that an outside-in faith. And today, I'm looking at a deforming practice that, that affects us when we allow our minds to wander on things uh, that make us worry. This week is about an inside of our head faith. This week, this week is, is about uh, predicting what will come in. If last week was, or two weeks ago, I talked about responding to the weather around us, this week I'm talking about the forecasting that we often do in our own minds about what's coming The thing about worrying, the thing about a faith that starts inside our head is that it kind of feels good to worry, doesn't it? It kind of, it's, it's like a little deep down inside of us, we kind of, we're just wired in such a way that we, we click on the news story that seems like that's going to be a bad story. That's going to be something to worry about, don't we? We just kind of tend toward that way. And, and these are good days for people who like bad news, right? These, this, I mean, there is a smorgasbord. There is a buffet of bad news out there if you are, are looking for it. You can find it wherever you turn. Uh, in fact, this week, some really good bad news came out. Did you hear this? The, there's, a, there's a scientific publication. It's the, uh, it's the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists. And they are the guardians of what they call the doomsday clock. Did you see this? This came out this week. The, the doomsday clock has been reset 
This is really good news for people who love bad news because we are now 30 seconds to midnight on the doomsday clock. Hallelujah, right? We, we are as close as we have ever been. And, and the doomsday clock folks, they, they worry about humans destroying themselves based on using the, the innovations that we have created. They're particularly worried about nuclear war. And they say we are closer than we have ever, ever been. And so these days, these days are a treasure trove for people who like to worry. There is, there is no shortage of things to worry about. One of the most classic worry passages in Scripture probably is, is from the Sermon on the Mount. And it comes in the second half of the Sermon on the Mount. It's found in Matthew chapter 6, if you'd like to open your Bibles to, to follow along. By this time in the Sermon on the Mount, if, if you've read through to, to get to the passage where Jesus talks about worry in chapter 6, you've had to read through Jesus talking about what it's like to be a citizen of his kingdom. And then you've read through Jesus talking about what the, the law of the Old Testament looks like for people who are citizens of his kingdom. And what Jesus has done in, in Matthew chapter 5 in particular is, is take this litany of sins from the Old Testament law, these things that are very clear, do not murder. And Jesus takes those very clear black and white rules and he makes them harder and almost, almost like hyperbole. Jesus says, it's not just good enough to not murder, but even if you, if you get angry, if you're angry with someone, you are subject to judgment, he says in, in chapter 5, verse 22. And so after navigating through Jesus's reinterpretation of the law, we are accustomed to Jesus talking about things that are sin. We're accustomed to him. In the Sermon on the Mount, he's been talking about things that are sinful for, for human beings. And so we, we get to the, the, the passage on worry. Our ears are attuned to this radical way that Jesus is talking about what it takes to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And, and it's, it's easy to begin to believe, uh-oh, Jesus is telling me that it's sinful to be a worry wart. Jesus is telling me that if I worry just a little bit, if I have just a little bit of worry that I hold on to, if I look at one bad news story, I'm no longer a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. I am no longer fit for, for serving Jesus. May I say, I think that would be a wrong understanding of what Jesus is saying in the Sermon on the Mount about worry. I believe that a lot of what Jesus is telling us in the Sermon on the Mount would fit into to the category of biblical teaching that we would call wisdom. Jesus is, is giving us a wise way to live. These are, these are wisdom statements. These are descriptions of the way the world works. And, and they point us in the right direction, the right direction according to God's plan for us. And so in, in, uh, to act counter to biblical wisdom, it's, it is not always sinful. It's not always sinful to do things that are unwise. It's always unwise to sin, but it's not always sinful to act unwisely. 
Let me give you an example. The biblical wisdom includes the truth that people are sharpened by people, right? As iron sharpens iron, so people sharpen each other. Uh, it, is, it is not sinful, it is not sinful to not allow other people to, to sharpen you. To, it is not sinful to, to not be held accountable all the time by other people. I don't think it's sinful. It's unwise. It's unwise. But it's not necessarily sinful. Uh, when, when Jesus is talking in the Sermon on the Mount uh, about the issue of worry, I don't think he is saying that worry is sin. That when you worry, you are sinning against God. I think he's, he's saying it is wise to not worry. So this is good news for those of us who are prone to worry. According to the Bible, worriers are not sinners, they're just fools. <laughs> Isn't that great news? <laughs> so why don't we get into it? We'll, we'll be looking, I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 6. I'm, I'm going to start in verse... I wrote the wrong verse number down. Verse 25, and uh, I'm going to read through the end of the chapter, verse 34. So this is Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 34. It says, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you will have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't worry or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So Jesus has just been talking about wealth. If you look just a few verses before where, where I was reading, he was talking about possessions and money. He says that we shouldn't store up for ourselves treasures on earth, but we should store treasure in heaven. And he says you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. And he, he is saying that we will, we will worship one or the other. We will worship God or we will worship money. And, and he says, you know, it, don't be an idolater. Don't worship money. Worship God. And from the possibility that we would worship our possessions, he goes immediately to worry. This is an important connection to make. This is an important connection in the context to make. So I'm going to repeat it. Jesus has talked about the fact that we can, we can make a God out of, out of wealth. Uh, and, and he says, don't worship wealth. And then he immediately says, he says, in fact, the transition is, that is why I tell you, do not worry. 
Don't worry, because if you're, if you're not careful, worry will lead you down the path of worshiping money and the things that money can buy you. That is, that is what Jesus is saying. Worry is a gateway to idolatry. Worry, if unchecked worry, will lead us away from worshiping God and toward worshiping the things that, that we worry about. Worry is almost like the opposite side of the coin of idolatry. Like when, when, we, when we make a God out of our possessions, like that's one, one form of idolatry. Worry is like making a God out of the things we don't have or the things that haven't happened yet that in our minds we have said are going to happen. Or in our minds we've said that is the solution to the problems that I'm facing. And so Jesus gives us a number of reasons that we shouldn't worry. He says, don't worry, don't, don't worry because you, it leads you down the path of idolatry. And then he gives us a number of reasons that we, we shouldn't worry. The first reason is that God is a good provider. Look at the lilies of the field. Look at the birds. They don't, they don't worry. And, and God is a good provider for them. And if God is capable for providing for his creation that does not bear his image, how much more is God going to care for people? God is, is so invested in people. God knows what you want before you know it. God knows what you need right now. God is a good provider. Don't worry about the things that God will provide. The second reason is uh, that Jesus gives for not worrying is just the futility of worrying. My mom, who is one of the wisest people I know, likes to say uh, that she knows her worrying works because everything she worries might happen, it never happens. <laughs> Jesus says, by worrying, can you add even a single day to your life? What good does it do to worry? It, it doesn't help. Uh, it, it's ridiculous to suggest that, that by worrying we change anything. You know, and certain people would say, well, I, I worry and therefore I, I act. You know, I'm worried about food, so I grow a garden. Well, yes, I, I, would, say, I would say action against worry is a great cure to worry, first of all. But then I would also say you can worry all you want about your tomatoes growing, I'm here to tell you, moles will eat your tomatoes whether you worry about them or not. It, it doesn't change anything uh, about the, the actual provision. It, uh, worrying is, is simply futile. The third reason that Jesus says not to worry is, is a pretty important one. He says not to worry because it, uh, worry is just not what faithful people do. Faithful people to God just, just don't worry. Verse 32, it says, These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father knows all your needs. People who trust God, trust God. They don't worry about, about all of these things. People who don't trust their God fill their minds with all of the things that could go wrong, all of the ways that, that the sky is falling, all of the things they don't have now and need, and they don't trust, they don't trust God. 
And I really resonate with what Jesus is saying in, in verse 32, especially, as he talks about how these things dominate their thoughts. Jesus says, worry, worry begins between our ears, right? And, and it's, uh, it's allowing these things to dominate our thoughts that takes us off the path of being faithful to God. Worry happens inside of people who forget that God is a good provider. Worry happens inside of people who, who don't recognize that it's futile to, to worry about things that God is taking care of for us. But for, for, uh, for those who are wise, worry just is not an internal reality. And that really brings us to Jesus' antidote uh, to, to this inside-your-head, twisted, twisted version of faith. Jesus says in, in Matthew 6.33, Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. It would be easy to read this in, in sort of a, a backward way. It, it would be easy to read Matthew 6, 33, to say, if, if we focus on the kingdom of God, then we will get everything we want. It would be easy to make this into a formula, wouldn't it? Be easy to say, okay, I'm worried that I won't get a raise, so if I seek the kingdom of heaven really good, then I'll get a raise. And, and we like to turn it into a formula. Don't we love math? when it works that way for in our favor, right? And that, that is good math right there. I love math that works that way. The, the problem with reading, reading Matthew, is, or Jesus is saying that is, is that, well, first, it, it turns the Bible into a book of magic spells. The Bible is, just refuses to be a book of magic spells. There, there is no there are no mathematical formulas in scripture that tell us if we twist God's arm in this particular way, we will get what we want. God just refuses to be tamed in such a way, and we wouldn't want to worship a God who, who is. And so what, what, Jesus, what is Jesus saying then when, when he says uh, we, we could live without worrying? Jesus is asking his followers to remember their relative position to God. He says in, in verse 32 that we are God's children. God knows what his children need before they even realize what they need themselves. And so if, if we will seek first the kingdom of heaven, if we will remember that God is God, and that means I am not. I am not God. If I would remember that God is God and I am not if I, would, if I would seek the God who is the real God before anything else, then some of the things that, that I worry about might be able to, to go away. If, if God is God and, and I am not, and, God, and I remember that God is much better at providing for me than I am at providing for myself, then, then maybe I won't allow all of the things that, that go on in between my ears to, to shape me quite as much. 
maybe I'd, I'd, allow, I'd allow my faith to shape me more. I, I wouldn't be deformed by the worries that, that happen inside my head. And I'd be able to be transformed to be more like Jesus. I think that's what Jesus is saying when he says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Put yourself in the right position in front of God. First and foremost. First and foremost. And then everything else. When, when, we, when we get in the right position in relationship to God, everything else seems to take its right place as well. Well, I want to take you to another passage that, that I think speaks to, to worry from another angle. And then it's in Philippians 4. Let me read for you Philippians 4, uh, verses 4 through 9. The Apostle Paul wrote these words to a church he loved. He wrote, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I would challenge you, if you don't have Philippians 4, 4 through 7 memorized, uh, these are good past verses to have memorized. These are really good verses to have memorized. I have it memorized in a different version. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be made known to all. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in all things with prayer and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He goes on and says in verse 8, now, <laughs> and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, just a little just a little side note here. One final thing. It cracks me up. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. So Paul, writing to this church that, that he loves, he, he begins by saying, don't worry about anything, don't worry. Rejoice, 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 uh, be joyful, uh, let, be considerate, let your gentleness be made known to all. Then he says, uh, the Lord is near, the Lord is near. Remember, the Lord is near. Don't worry, pray about everything, pray about everything with gratitude. I, I think this idea of praying about all things with gratitude is a huge worry counselor. This is like a huge antidote to, to worrying when we pray with thanksgiving, when we remember to give thanks as we are praying. Uh, I've just finished a book. Um, it's a leadership book, very secular, um, and I don't know what I think about it yet. But it says that we all have like a, a wise mind and we have an unwise mind. We have saboteurs is the language it uses. The wise mind is, is always grateful. It's interesting that a, a completely secular book would say that. It, it challenges you when you come up against a, a roadblock or a, a difficulty to think of three reasons why this isn't the end of the world. 
Think of three reasons. And you know, I think if I were, if I were to suggest that to, to certain people at certain times, I might not get a very good reaction. Um, and I don't know what I think about it for sure. But I think there is some wisdom in, in just considering, why is this not maybe as bad as I think it could be? Uh, praying reminds us again, who is God? Um, we, we rarely pray to ourselves. <laughs> it happens accidentally, occasionally, I think, uh, where we forget that we are praying to God. But it reminds us, prayer reminds us who God is and that we are not. It reminds us, it reminds us it, when we pray with thanksgiving, it, it reminds us that God has not let us down in the past. You can't be grateful without taking stock of the blessings in your life. You can't be grateful without remembering that God has given you things to be grateful about. And he says in verse 7, Paul, the Apostle Paul says in verse 7, that when we do this, God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand, will guard our hearts and minds as we live in Christ Jesus. There, it's done. Worry resolved. On behalf of the Apostle Paul, you're welcome. That is, that is worry, worry resolved. But that's not the end of the, of the passage. He says, you know, this, this one last thing. Oh yeah, one more little thing. And it cracks me up that it's one more little thing because I, for me, this, I think this is probably the most powerful antidote to worry in the entire Bible. What, what Paul says here in these next couple, next verse, in, in verse eight, when he says, fix your thoughts. One more little thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. This has been for me probably the, the most important passage in, in times when I've been, been tempted to worry uh, in all of scripture. I remember uh, during a season in my first church uh, of, of there just being a general sense of worry in the congregation. I don't know if you've ever experienced a, a time like that in your church life. Uh, just things, things in church maybe weren't super encouraging. Nobody was coming to church, you know, really fired up and excited. And, and it was just a, a time when, when people seemed a little down. And, and, the worry that might have been happening inside of the church was compounded by the news outside of the church. It was probably, I don't recall what year it was, it, it was one of the years that we've been through kind of cycle after cycle now of, of deep racial unrest, a cycle that we unfortunately find ourselves in again right now, this where, where we, our country just seemed so divided, and it, it seemed in that moment like especially divisive, a, a time when that, that particular issue seemed to be dominating thoughts and minds and hearts and conversation. It was all over the news, and, and it was just a time when that, that seemed discouraging, and, and in our culture, it seemed frustrating. And, and inside the church, there, there were a number of strong and differing opinions. There were a number of, of people just, you know, I, I think this was the season of my one bad board meeting that I've ever had as a pastor. 
I've only had one bad board meeting, and, and it was a bad meeting. And it's not the meeting where somebody came into the board meeting and threatened to punch me in the face. That wasn't, it, I mean, it was worse than that one. Uh, and, and so this is, it was a bad board meeting. And it was just a consequence of, of all of this stuff going on in, in people's personal lives. People were worried about their own, you know, their own livelihood, their, their, own, their own family structure. People had worries. It, we had worries about the church. We had worries about the broader culture. And it just seemed like, it, it seemed like one of those times as, as pastor, I get to walk, I'm like, honestly, I count it a privilege that I get to walk with people through, through difficult times. And at times it seems like, man, the Lord just, you know, he, he has, he's given me the, the right words or, or he's, he's put me there at the right time and, it, and it's been great. Um, and it's, it's nothing but a privilege and, and it, it excites me. Um, I know that sounds kind of weird. It excites me to, to be with a family in the difficult circumstances if, if I'm able to, to offer something. But there are times as a pastor where I, I've just felt empty, just empty, just gutted by watching people struggle. And, and like there's no, there's no wisdom coming from here and, and the Spirit isn't speaking. And this was one of those, those seasons where I just, I felt empty. And I remember very distinctly showing up to a Wednesday night prayer meeting. Um, fewer people show up to things when there's actually prayer happening, and so I'm sure there weren't very many people there. We were just going to pray. We were just going to pray. It was our tradition. Every Wednesday night, we prayed. We just prayed. I'm sure there were fewer than a dozen of us. And I always, I always tried to, to direct our prayers through, through a passage of Scripture. And it, it wasn't by, by any wisdom on my part or anything other than the Lord, the Lord just divinely orchestrating that, that moment that we opened to Philippians 4 that night. And as we thought about all that was happening in our world and in our church as we thought about all of the reasons we had to worry, all of the reasons that we should probably be wringing our hands. We read rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. You know, it's not very helpful to say, would you just be happy when, <laughs> when people are just not happy? You know, it, it just didn't, we, we accepted it as disciplined believers in the moment, we were willing to listen to the wisdom of Scripture that told us to rejoice. We were willing, okay, this is what Scripture tells us. You know, there, and then for, for discouraged people, there, there's something good there, and okay, let your request be made known to God. Yeah, we've got plenty of requests. Listen up, God. Open up your ears, because here, here it comes. But then we, we continued on in, into verse 8. And we were forced to, to recognize that even, even in what seemed like a discouraging and dark time, there were things that were true. There, there, were, there were people and, and things around us that were honorable. Not everything was wrong. There, there were some things that were right and pure 
lovely and admirable. There, there was some excellence in our midst. And there were some things that were worthy of praise. Philippians 4 didn't immediately change everything in the, in the course of the church. It didn't, it didn't erase all of the differences of opinion. It didn't magically make the racial tension in our country go away. It didn't heal a lot of hurts. But in that moment, it gave about a dozen of us the right perspective. It allowed us to, to stop focusing on all that we were spinning on in our minds that was wrong. It allowed us to, to put God back on God's throne and us to place ourselves as his children, ready to, to receive from God whatever, whatever he might offer. It gave us the strength to go on for another day. My worry when I preach about worry is that I would just tie up another burden on you. I'd be like the Pharisees that Jesus talks about. I'd just make it all the, the harder for you to stop worrying. I'd just be whipping you over the, the shoulders saying, don't worry. I don't want to give you just, just one more rule to follow. I know you have good reasons to worry. I, I know that, that you have, have reasons to, to feel like your faith is shaken by what's going on around you. But let, re, let me remind you in the midst of the things that cause you to worry that there are things around you that are true and honorable. Not all is wrong. There are some things that are right and pure and lovely and admirable. Some things that are excellent and praiseworthy. These are things that are outside of your mind. These things are real. These things are, these things are happening in the world around you. the wisdom of scripture would tell us to focus on these things. And so, will you be wise this week? Will you choose to be wise? Will you choose the, the path of wisdom that scripture has laid forward for us? Will you focus on those good things? On what is true and honorable and right and pure? lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy? Would you wisely decide that those will be your focus? Focus on the good things that God has done for you. And take your focus away from the things that would, that would threaten to deform you, to make you less like Jesus, the things that would make you more like him. Will you stand with me and let me pray for you? Our Heavenly Father, 
we're really good at coming up with all that's wrong. We are really good at, at inventing things that, that are not right. Lord, we, uh, we want to be people who are wise. We want to be people who fix our thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy. Would you remind us through the course of this week, God, that the things we, we are tempted to worry about are just small shadows compared to the good things that you are doing in this world. Will you walk with us and, and strengthen us to do it? We have tried on our own, God. We've tried on our own. We've, we have, we've made commitments to ourselves that we're not going to worry. We've made New Year's resolutions. <laughs> we've made goals. We've said, I'm not going to worry about it anymore. And we found that we're, we're just not really strong enough to do it all on our own. We need your spirit to shape us, inform us, the people who are constantly remembering that you are God and we are not. That the inventions of our minds don't come true. But God, you have given us good things in this world. And God, we pray that you would help us to fix our thoughts on those good things. That we would be able to seek first your kingdom. And by doing that, we would start to become more like Jesus. Jesus who in the midst of the storm when the disciples were worried that the boat was going to sink, was asleep in the back, free of worry. May we have that kind of confidence in you, God. May we trust in you. And know and believe that you have given us good things in the past and you're not going to let us down now. May we trust in you and be shaped to be more like Jesus. God. Thank you for these brothers and sisters of mine, God. Will you go with them into this week and help them to be wise as they fix their thoughts on what is true and right. Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Go as the children of God, seeing that which is good and right and honorable and excellent and worthy of praise. You are dismissed.